Hello and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. I am Skylar Hoke, back here in the saddle with Tom Jacobs. Tom, how are we doing, my friend? Good. All the better for you uh, back and hosting, because that means I just get to sit here and uh, and be spoken to as opposed to uh, doing the speaking. But um, no, it's good. Um, I guess difficult having back-to-back runner-up finishes. Uh, also a positive sign that things are going in the right direction. Uh, Pepperell couldn't really do anything more yesterday. It's just Sean Crocker, who obviously we've been speaking about for way too long. I think that was a tough one to miss out on his win, right? I think that's probably one of the things we should focus on. But great to see him do it. And, you know, as we said all along, like if he finds his passer, he can win. Yeah, 100%. And first off, thank you again to Ryan Bearoff for filling in last week. Um, you and him were all over the board. You know, it was really, I mean, I guess as much as you can be living in the places, you know, unfortunately didn't get over the line. But yes, I mean, you guys, Pepperell, Dan Torp conversation, David Law, I mean, just really all there. And um, But yeah, props to Sean Crocker. I guess it took me taking a week off for him to yeah. uh, get in the winner's circle. But man, uh, I mean, he's as talented. Looks like time. he enjoyed himself last night after the win. Yeah, yeah. And good for him. Like, that's a long, long time coming. We've talked this, this talent for literally since I remember, like, digging into the European tour stuff years ago. Crocker was in the thick of it when it came to some of the best ball strikers out there. Finally puts it together with a short game, uh, big week. It, it almost feels a little reminiscent of, um, I guess, Tony in some ways. Like if you had to like compare what a DP world tour guy like that would be potentially um, when Tony kind of had his first win finally, because um, I think Crocker has all the talent in the world. You wouldn't be surprised to see him do what Finau has done um, the last two weeks. So good for him. Does It was a shorter number, but definitely tough. Um, to miss out on that, but definitely excited for him. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't like one of those like, 150 times where we've kind of spoken about him and he hasn't quite come through, right? But, um, you know, he made a passer change. I, I wish I knew he made that passer change. Also, nine missed cuts. That probably would have helped our conversation, but um, wouldn't have picked him last week anyway, so not not too uh, upset. Uh, more just happy for him that he got it over the line. Um, I was actually really surprised how many starts he's made. I think it's like 107 or something. I saw the the European tour tweet out yesterday, which is quite surprising to me. Um, doesn't feel like he's been around that long. Yeah. Cause what he's been a pro. I thought it was like I yeah, he's been a, 17. So yeah. six years, five and a half years. Uh, and I think he hasn't won for like nine years or something. I sort of read that like basically like since like college and things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see. Um, yep. not a complete surprise at all you know it basically went down like we thought it'd go down once he did get the win um, just a shame it came at Pepperell's expense last week <laughs> yeah Eddie Eddie was so good Sunday especially I mean he, I think he led the the field and approach by two and a half strokes on Sunday alone yeah um, just just some really and that's another feel good you know like just uh, I think he had a tweet on Saturday night when he tweeted his dogs you know how good he was feeling uh, good to be back that's Everyone's rooting for Eddie all the time. It feels like it. excited for him there. And I'm, I'm ready for him to, to keep the good vibes rolling. I think some of these guys um, that we just need to take advantage of are like to the point of how well you guys were able to, you know, get your selections in last week. It, it's kind of like these, these mini stretches of form. These guys find you have to take advantage of sometimes those numbers do get short, yeah. but they are capitalizing on the, this little bit of form you know, a lot right now. And you just keep going back, maybe even to the same guys or guys that have done it for a few weeks in a row that continue to make sense. Yeah, and I think there's certain guys, I'm sure we'll come on to, to who in a minute, that like, 
you don't mind following up at shorter prices, right? I mean, you've done it recently with Sam yeah. Mackey, didn't quite pay off, but, you know, went in the right way. And, you know, every time I've kind of made a reservation based on price, like they've kind of paid off. So generally speaking, I think we kind of just follow the form. Um, you know, it's all you can do, right? It's all you can do is look at the look at the stats, look at the current course form. And, you know, I think like last week, Alvaro Quiros, for example, like you can look at the location form, great in Scotland. Um, didn't expect him to win and, and he obviously didn't, but great showing, 10th place finish. Like it, it's good to follow those kind of things as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, and I guess with that being said, let's let's dig into this week. We are at the Kazoo Open this time. Well, it was Kazoo Classic just a couple weeks weeks ago. Just making sure I nailed that uh, one there. I, I, I didn't know that was a question or a statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, because okay, so we're, we're playing at Celtic Manor. Right, yeah. but in 2020, it was the the Celtic Classic. A lot of C's going on with Too it, many but, C's. Yes, Celtic Manor, which we've seen three times in the last two years. Um, Nacho Elvira winning in 21, uh, I believe he wanted to play off. Yeah, over Justin Harding, and then 2020 we had back to back weeks. Weeks Romain Langoske beat Sammy Valamaki, which that is both those two off the top not being in the field. Is disheartening after the way they've both been playing. They would have been both probably sub 30s, but would have been nice to see them um, in the mix. And then uh, I think the week prior to that was Sam Horsfield winning. Um, and um, yeah, we had Dietrich, Peters, Beef Johnson, all kind of in the mix, kind of seen there, Valamaki top 10 that week too. Now, of course, Celtic Manor 2010 Ryder Cup venue uh, as well. So we are familiar with the type of courses. Is there anything specific that you're looking to do for the week? Actually, not being too caught up in what the course is going to present and and the correlation stuff and, and kind of freeing myself up from that has actually paid off dividends recently. So yes and no. I think, you know, obviously you're going to focus on, you know, a bit of history in these sorts, not even this course itself, but just these kind of style of courses, you know, the, almost like a links course. It's, it's not quite, you know, a traditional links course. But, um, you know, accuracy um, going into the greens, I think, is really important. You know, you want to get onto a hot streak of form. So, um, yeah, I don't think it'd be too dissimilar from from last week. I think people that played well last week will will benefit here. It's not probably going to get as windy on a thought. So, um, in short, I don't think there's anything too too critical to focus on. I think anything anything that people will focus on is is going to play in their favour. So, um, just just things that people have been good at in the past and, and shown some life here. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think when when you read, I guess, I mean, it's hard to say, but like Nacho Elvira winning, and then you compare them to Horsefield and Langoski, just very different players yeah. um, in, in some ways. Now, there has been also very different results. I mean, it was eight under uh, when, when Langoski went in 16 under, you know, Nacho. So we've seen this varying degree of scores under par two at this course. So, yeah, I'm not letting myself get out of hand, keeping with those that are informed. Um, ball striking is always a plus, especially with the with the approach side of it, as you mentioned, is kind of um, my MO for, for the week. So I think, um, I guess, digging into what the top of the board, I guess, if we, we start here, and I guess previewing it with when they are in form and being price sensitive, it, it, it is a difficult balancing act to play because – these numbers for guys are definitely entering a different category than what we're used to with a lot of them. So to your point, are you just plugging your nose with some of them and being like, I am, I am definitely in on this guy. Cause I, I kind of have to on a few. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't get quite as far as, you know, I don't think either of us have got rights to the very soft market. I mean, someone that I think everyone's going to be quite keen on this week is Callum Shinkwin, who I just... Yeah, that's a perfect just, example. Yeah, like, I couldn't I couldn't do that. Um, just because we see it with him, like, you know, he was getting himself right up into the places yesterday and had a good chance to kind of cement that position in the top five and just sprayed one on the par five out of the fairway. And it was like, you know, not that I think he'd necessarily do that if he had a chance to win, but... Um, I, I, yeah, I just don't don't trust him enough to be a twenty to one player. And you know, when you look at the fact that I mean, I, I you, you talked about Crocker being sort of parallel to Tony Fina. I'd rather bet him to win again than I would Chinquin at twenty to one when Crocker's twenty eight or thirty three. So um, you've got that kind of thing to it. I think living around that thirty three and forty to one mark is is where I'm going to be. Olison sort of always comes up into my mind at the moment the way he's playing, but the top three I kind of left alone. Yep, and those top three being George Smith, Dietrich, Victor Perez. Yeah, like totally. Yep. Totally there with you. I think Shinkwin's the one that I I wouldn't be surprised again to see a major week um, out of him. Every every number I would look at points that that way, except you know twenty two to one. Like I just can't. But like, but like, if if he was, what number would he have to be if he's him? Because I don't even necessarily believe he's like when he's eighty to one, hundred to one, and sixty six to one even like. It feels like you've got some edge from top five money and things. Like that. I, I never normally look at him as like a win-only prospect. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you probably need... I, I for sure would be betting at 40. Like 33 would be worth the conversation for me, especially with the guys that I'm going to end on, you know, end up being in on. Um, I guess... Well, let's go. I mean, I, I think both of us are going... We're, we're both going back to the well with Eddie, right? Yeah. Like that's that's where our first, you know, stab is. And that's at 33s, I think is the best number. Um, yeah. Still available here. Um and I feel like to me, it's it's sometimes you just have to try to, to nail the winner versus price value. I think I'm going to loop two guys together with my next selections. But like Eddie, when I'm looking through this, I'm looking through progression, you're seeing the irons get better by the day. You're seeing them get better by the week, knowing he's in a good spot. Um, yeah, man. Eddie was always somebody you trusted in the mix. I mean, to show out like he did yesterday on a Sunday – after it's been so long, like that is, that's something that gives me confidence going back to him right here. He's a full level header, right? Like his interview is really happy with Sean Crocker, which is always nice to see. Yep. Uh, I know uh, Sean Crocker's dad really appreciates that on Twitter. Um, but look, third and first last two is an approach that, you know, forget, like I said last week, there might be a factor that he's been really outspoken about Liv and he feels like he needs to actually play better now to justify his stance on that. And taking all those kind of like, variables out of the way like third and first last two weeks in approach eighth and fifth tee to green he was fourth in this golf course i think it was like 2014 it's, it's a long time ago now but he was at his fourth um the week before in the Caleb open when he came in finished fourth there he's now coming off the back of 11th and second place finishes so just how good he was in contention yesterday just really gave me the boost like i pretty much after watching him yesterday just thought unless he was like a Callum Shinkwin number. I'm actually really surprised he's not near a Callum Shinkwin. Like, I know Shinkwin looks good in terms of, like, ball striking and stuff, but um, you can't get much better than what Pepper was doing in ball striking last two events. And surprised they're not closer together, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think even that, and then, like, Crocker being right, like, if anyone, I feel like Crocker would be the deserving one to be in the, the 22 range, and you could flip him and Shinkwin, maybe. Um, yeah. But, I don't know, I those those... I guess three in that scenario are kind of the ones that, well, I guess 
there's up to 40s. So I'll, I'll go with my, my next two before we get to your next selection. Cause I, I definitely am intrigued by yours too. Um, in my opinion, the two golfers that played the best golf when the Barracuda and the Barbasol was here in the States were Maddie Schmid, Maddie Schmid, you know, really was, if you thought Taylor Pendrith played bad yesterday, Maddie Schmidt's Sunday at the Barbasol was one of the worst things I've ever been a part of um, as a ticket out there. But he shot a 77 on that Sunday, a um, lot of pressure again in, in his neck of the woods where he went to school. Uh, you know, so, so Schmidt's first attempt now after playing those two stateside events, he just feels like that's just a different level of competition and to compete very well there. Like that is to me, as much as it can get going back over here, we've seen it replicated all year long with these guys playing well at some of these tour events and then coming back and competing immediately, uh, you know, on, on the DP world tour. Now that's the one that stands out to me, but the second one probably was definitely more consistent. And it was Hurley long. Yeah. I and mean, Hurley long has, has elevated his game, uh, you know, to, to a whole different level. I mean, he goes out seventh, fourth, those two events, and then just kind of warms up last week and ends up finishing T14, getting better as the week progressed. You know, that was a whole hum top 20, his first one since the British Masters. He has not missed a cut since middle of April. Um, so, you know, I just think Hurley is, is elevating himself to a different status level um, that, that I have a ton of trust on. I mean, his number is what well, I think thirties is the longest he is here stateside. Um, but I just feel of those guys sub 40, like he's the one who has separated himself, um, to me there. So him and Schmid together and Schmid's 40 there. I just, I just think those two, their play on the tour just ma- makes a difference for me in the confidence level. I, I have a ton more confidence in Hurley Long than I do Schmid um, at the moment. I do think that Schmid has the higher upside, and you could probably argue that Schmid has the upside of Dietrich, Perez, and Smith, and probably beyond Dietrich, considering you know his lack of wins. So um, that being said, I, I, I feel a lot better about Long. He was one that was in the sort of conversation, I, but I kind of put together Long, Cohonen, Armitage around Pepper. I was like, I still don't really understand why Pepper was a price. So I just take Pepper, and that's it. Um, and, and the next guy, obviously, that we're going to come on to. But, yeah, I, I don't know about Schmidt. I don't know if it's one of those, like, do we just back him until he wins type players. He, he feels like that type of guy. I don't think yeah. you fall in that kind of trap. I know Guido maybe is, is slightly different proposition. But Also, um, where is Guido? He's not playing anymore. It makes <laughs> zero sense. He's not inside the number to get a card next year. He's going back to Q school, and he's not playing the event. It makes no sense to me why these guys are taking time off. Crocker, Crocker needed a win. He needed a big week. to Like, now he's locked up. He was outside of the number. Guido, where are you? My friend, we need you back. I was, um, yeah, I was surprised that he wasn't here. Um, I, I didn't feel quite as passionately as you did about There's it. There's also but... there is a lot left in the season. Like <laughs> it's it's very difficult to know the Wyndham is tomorrow, and like the end of the season is is right beyond there. You know, like and after that, like I think to me with Guido, there is more of a runway. But overall, I really think um, you know these guys can keep playing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think because we're coming to the end of the PJ Tour season, right? With the with the FedEx Cup, that people kind of link this to end of season stuff, and we're not there yet with the DP World Tour. There's still time to go, so no panic stations yet. But it is surprising that Guido is not here. But um, 
Yeah, Maddie Schmid, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just think it's one of those, like, we're trying to catch him while he's hot. Um, well, not even while he's hot, like, just while he's still 40s one as opposed to 20s one, right? Like, I think that's what people are trying to do. So, uh, whereas I don't think it'd be too long before he's 80 and 100s one again. So, I'm one of those a little bit pessimistic on him, but do understand the upside on him. Um, I'll just roll straight into mine. So, Jens Dansop for me was, obviously, we were both on him a couple of weeks ago when you were last on the show. Um had a little bit of a concern in the fact that he was a hundred to one, dropped down into thirty to one or whatever he was um, last week, and I just felt like he didn't really warrant that. I didn't know if he could do it in contention, etc. Then he played really well for three rounds. And you think, oh, you know, maybe I've missed out here. Uh, should I worry? And, and he kind of showed yesterday that the concerns we had, uh, you know, are there. But fourth and seventh. Um, Fourth in approach last week, seven to tees green last week. He's been second at the 54-hole stage now twice in a row, um, which is good contention practice, right? So, yes, he hasn't covered himself in glory, but I think it's two really good opportunities. And, yeah, I think now the, the form, if he gets himself into position again, could take over and, you know, we could see a Crocker situation. Yeah, it's, it's something where when betting challenge tour guys or betting guys – that are coming from other tours, you hope that they don't have to cut their teeth that way. You know, like it's something you hope that it's already there. Like when, if you, if you think of Alamaki's first win, like it, it, you never had those band-aids ripped off or, or, or the, the time it took. So that was concerning to me with Dan Torp the first week. I thought yesterday was a little bit better. I mean, he kind of played himself out, out of it early. And yeah, fought fought back, fought back in some ways. It wasn't as bad as the week before, but um, yeah, the number the number is still decent enough. You just hope, yeah, on the challenge. Where I guess his win earlier this year was like, like six or seven strokes. It was like a big win, so maybe he didn't have that that battle. And hopefully, he's he's gotten through the last two weeks. I think forties um, is fair there. I definitely can see that again. I think the thing with Dantel as well is that like because he's been around for so long, like. I was sort of having this conversation with my dad just said, like, you know, it's a surprise how long he's been around because we see guys like a Dan Top come on the scene and we think they've just hit some good form and, you know, they're a different player all of a sudden. I think we've seen that with kind of like Armitage in the past. We've seen that with Mansell recently. We've seen it with a couple of other guys, you know, we've already mentioned like Hurley Long's reinvented himself and you think, okay, that's what Dan Top's doing. So, well, no, he's been doing this for years. Like he's been, a, he's a three-time winner in Challenge Tour and they're so spread out. You just worry that, He's just a challenge tour specialist, and that was it. Um, but I'm just willing to go back to the wild. Like I think, I think if he doesn't capitalise in this kind of window, um, then you discount him, right? As a, as a as a winner for a little while, and you wait until he's 150 to one or whatever, and, and take a chance then. But I would really kick myself a second week in a row. If I looked at the 40 or 33 or whatever now, and just went, well, he's not going to win because he, yep. he's playing plenty well enough too. Yep, yep, 100 agree, and it's nice to see him uh, capitalise early on that. Now, I'll go next. I, I think these guys, I, I guess, what is the price? If, if you talk about Dan Torp the week before, you know, Oliver Hundable Jorgensen, like his price is, is everywhere this morning. I think it, I saw it 80s, maybe even like touch triple digits on open. And then it was like 22 to 1 at DraftKings at one point. Um and then it kind of settles in this, I think it's back to like 50s, 55s, or some 40s. Um, so hard to, to know with his price. So I'll just go next with him. 
I mean, so you're getting, um, I guess it's just the, the same mold that we've, we've looked at for, for golfers for a good bit of time. They step up, they get this opportunity, um, you know, on the DP world tour plays well, plays well from, you know, a approach standpoint gets himself never really in the mix, but enough that I, I guess I would consider it like somewhere around the surface, especially for a guy at his number, I think is a, a good week. Um, you know, he gets into, uh, I guess a top 10 rollover spot, I guess what his off the tee approach. He just really would have to clean up that around the green game that, that troubled him, but challenge tour this year. I mean, he is what he's up to, I think four top fives now with the victory. So it, it's Dan Torp light, you know, a week, you know, you're running the week after, I guess, in some ways um, of it. And, you know, a pretty decent um, kind of, I think, amateur, I guess, uh, Nordic Golf League lead up in some ways. So for me, um, he just fits that mold of golfers we're always intrigued by and the numbers still enough juice. Yeah, so I mean, he he's another one you could probably have the conversation. I mean, twenty-two to one is is a no, right? Yeah, like you yeah, you, was... you need you need to say no to that. I don't know how they've got that number because he was four hundred to one last week. But you know, it's when he's eighty to one or hundred to one. We you know we've talked about this before. Like sometimes it's put me off, but you have to take into the fact that they're a different golfer, right? You know, like Jens Dantop is all of a sudden proven that he can keep that form up on the on the European tour and the DP World Tour, and, and Jorgensen certainly showed that last week. So. You know, we're looking at a guy that's got a win, a second and a fourth. He's second only behind Jens Dantop in the in the Challenge Tour rankings. Uh, he's ahead of JC Ritchie. He's ahead of Todd Clements, who won last week. He's ahead of Christian Crow Johansson, who's been playing really well as well. So, you know, he's, he's in some good company. Um, I like it. I think I think it's one of those ones where definitely number dependent, um, but I, th- I think he's a great play. Yeah, and I believe when I, when I kind of went through it, if you look at round by round, if we're talking about ball striking kind of being of the utmost importance him and Crocker were the only two golfers who were positive and both off the tee and approach in every single round last week. Um, I mean, it's a lot for somebody to step up like that at their first, you know, DP world tour start like that. Very impressive. Excited to see him again. And I guess, you know, 66 is, is where I settled um, this morning. I, I could go back there. Yep. Just looking at those kind of in-place touch, just while you mentioned it there, and, and another sort of case for myself for Jens Dantorp is he actually improved his uh, approach numbers every single round. So his 37th day one, 33rd, day two, fifth and third over the weekend. So uh, really positive from that. And like you say, Eddie Pepperell was clear of everyone on Sunday. Um, there was a guy that was second in strokes game approach last week who uh, we won't mention, but uh, he, he was a former drug of mine um, that won't come up again. Um, but let's go into to Connor Seam, who, um, you know, Ryan was on last week and I was a little bit concerned. It was kind of like one of those like one swallow doesn't make a summer types, which is I don't know if that translates in America to, to all it does over here, but hopefully it does. Um, but he's been top 12 in the last two starts in teaser green, top nine in approach both times as well. Um, and he's now returning to a golf course where he's been third, eighth and 18th, like, you really can't argue with that. He's been he's led at the fifty four hole stage twice at this golf course. Um, that it depends whether you take that as a positive or negative. Like, is that his ceiling that he gets into first place after fifty four holes twice and doesn't do it? But like Jens Dantop giving second after fifty four holes and, and not finishing off. Like, is it is it a negative? I don't know. I think there's still time for Seam to to kind of figure it out and, and make his kind of run at it. So I'm going to give him another chance on the golf course that clearly he likes over many others. Yeah, I can just never figure him out, you know. I guess 
if I remember them well, it was almost like Soderberg blew it and then Seam blew it right afterwards uh, that week. And then Langoski just – I think Langoski was like an hour to two hours ahead of, of those guys when they closed here. And it was theirs all for the taking. And, I mean, he won by two, uh, which is, you know, in some ways a classic – DP World Tour Sunday, um, yeah. but yeah, all the talent in the world. I mean, you know, we, we really do, um, you know, like him at a good number. So yeah, I can I can get behind there. Now you, I think his numbers never quite got out. So it was just really big prices. Like there's always been a little bit of belief. Like it doesn't really get past 120, 110, or whatever. And as soon as he starts playing well and comes back to a golf course, uh, I'm going to take him. Yeah. I, so you mentioned one one drug for for you. Yeah, this wasn't the one. Um, yeah, but yeah, go, going, go for this one. I'm going to yours, man. This, yeah. is, this is odd. Are you ever going to bet Guido when I don't? Do you think that ever will happen? Probably. I don't know, I don't know when. Um, probably when he finishes fourth the week before and then misses the cut when I bet him. So that'll probably happen. Uh, but yeah. you, you'll probably bet him, so I think that's going to be difficult. Um, yeah, probably not. But I, I'm intrigued by Paul Waring. Um, and I guess, to me looking at kind of his last couple of weeks. So he finds himself, what, in, in contention, realistic contention for what, the first time since COVID? Or right? since winning, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, what, he had a couple top fives early in 19, you know? So, okay, so that's, you know, takes a lot on you. And, and you know, goes out, finishes second there at the Fizu Classic, comes out and, and just, you know, is terrible round one, just absolutely terrible. And then bounces back being having a top five round of the day on Friday, following it up with a top round day, uh, the second best round of the day on Saturday. Um, and, and that to me just says a lot about his game, you know, I guess in the moment ends up finishing T30 Sunday doesn't go the best, but you know, I just think there's, not many guys, I guess, that finish outside of, you know, the top 20 are going to put together back-to-back weeks that are top five, you know, in, in a specific round. So I just think there's enough lightning in the bottle off of his current form. And you, you couple that with a price discount based off of, you know, that finish. And then to me, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, what, he was 40s last week? 30s. Yeah. He, was, he was short, you know, and intrigued by you guys. Like, I, I think – I would just go right back to the well after seeing those jammed in the middle. I think the long is 60 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook for Paul Waring. So um, I can absolutely uh, still believe in his form. I think my thing with Waring is like you have Guido, I have Oliver Wilson and Paul Waring and they're triple digit stabs every single time. And you can always just point to Paul Waring, but he's really good off the tee. And this is always quite fun because he's old, but pretty good at hitting the ball quite far. Um and, and you wonder whether you're going to catch him at a triple-digit price. And then he comes into like 50 to 1. You're like, actually, I do have to consider Paul Waring here. Um, I just like to see him better, really. Other than other than that, there wasn't really too much to it. I think I think he's playing really well. And I think it's um, I think it's time for him to win again. Like, I think he's capable of doing it again. Um, I think we're kind of seeing flashes from golfers quite a lot at the moment that have been out, you know, for a while. Andy Sullivan's been coming back. Ross Fisher's been showing signs again. So... Um, in that kind of cast of players, I think, I don't know if it is a thing, Sky, and, you know, I don't want to keep mentioning the, the other tour, but, like, I don't know if it's, like, a, a motivation thing. Like they, they've seen this and just gone, you know what, let's just 
you know, get our asses together and, and play some good golf and, and stick it to them and show that, of course, you know, these tours are fine because I think otherwise some of these guys have probably rested on their laurels a bit. I think wearing one and kind of just settled down. Fisher's been what he's been for, you know, 20 years. Like Andy Sullivan won plenty. He's been on Ryder Cup teams. Doesn't need to do much more. Um, don't know. Just I just wonder if they've all just been kind of given a kick up the ass. Yeah. I'll give one shout out. Um, to everything going on, and that's to Luke Donald being the new Ryder Cup captain yeah. um, for, for Europe. So excited for him. Uh, his boy Fitzy, Northwestern boys, can team up uh, and have some fun. So um, continuing on, we each have one more, uh, I believe. Yeah, you've got one more here, and then we can talk a little bit. I go a little bit down the board, uh, but let's close out sub 100 to 1. Yeah, so Chase Hannah for me, um, he was kind of 100 to 1 last week. He's now 80 to 1, but just going to give him another shot. Like he was 12th in approach last week, 15th tee to green, and he was 6th in this event last year and was 2nd after 54 holes. So everything I wanted to see from Chase Hannah, I've seen. Um, you know, he showed last week that it was kind of right to trust him on a golf course that he's shown life on before. Like I know he was only 30th, but 30th is pretty good for him because he either misses a cut or finishes top 10 so 30 is actually kind of an improvement on what he generally does uh, if he's not in contention so I think that just building into the fact that he was sick last year here uh, just gives me a lot of confidence like I just think that the way he hit the ball obviously just needs to pass it to warm up we know that could probably happen um, and I think he can repeat what he did here uh, 12 months ago yeah yeah he falls in that like Daniel Gavin's guy you always bet you know like uh, like the, the- Hillier, you know, Hillier's in this field actually drawn some interest, like, yeah, um, shown high flashes, um, and they kind of all came from that graduating class, I believe. Um, or on the challenge, he, he or, finished, right? yeah, tied six three events in a row this time last year, so six for the year. I think he should have won an event for us. We bet him on the one, uh, yeah, and he was right in the thick of it. He, 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 you look about to this time last year or, you know, last year, and it was like Challenge D could his sixth, Challenge D is when you're seventh, Open Brew pertains second, Miscut, Miscut, sixth, sixth, sixth. Like he just gets on hot streaks, right? And it seems to be that he might be coming into one of those. Um, 68th, Miscut, 30 doesn't necessarily suggest that, but the fourth and sixth failure in the year, the second, just, he just shows that when he flashes, you can probably trust him. So at 80 to one, I still think there's some juice in Chase Hunt. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so now it's kind of our turn to go down the board a little bit. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with my one selection and truthfully, it, it really comes from kind of one antidote that I saw this morning. Um, uh, our friend at SGT two, the number green, Matt, we've referenced him a bunch along with tour tips, kind of our, our go-tos, um, when it comes to DP world tour data. Um, and Matt kind of put together a little bit of a, a trend performance on some of these difficult um, par three, fours, and fives that come across um, Celtic Manor because there are some longer par threes, fours, and, and the par fives, I mean, closing in on 600 yards. And when something stands out, like among the bunch here, I mean, if you list off, okay, you know, the top 10 golfers here, you see Jordan Smith, Manzel, Dantor. Max Kiefer, Schneider, Perez, your guy Chase Hanna, Alvira, Paul Waring, all kind of guys that odds are in somewhat a similar range near the top of the board or mid-range at worst. And then to see Angel Hidalgo kind of leading that list of, above Jordan Smith 
Um, and he's been teed it up, you know, a decent amount recently. So it's not like it is something where, uh, you know, it's a, a small sample size for him. I mean, last week did miss the cut uh, by two at the Hero Open, was just inside the top 10 um, the week prior at the Kazoo Classic with some really good irons. Goes When he pops down the Challenge Tour, he had a couple top 25s prior to that. So, you know, there there is just um, – I think enough in what I saw, I believe he, he won. Yeah. He won three times in the calendar year, 2021, twice on the Alps tour, once um, on the challenge tour um, when he made his way and graduated, he was in the thick of it um, at the Joburg open through 36 holes. I remember in that, the event that got cut there. um, And I was really excited about him um, that week as it was his first debut tour event. So just that stat and a little bit of history on him is enough with the one fifties that are out there. It's like, okay, you know, I, I can, I kick myself for, for not trusting that or at least looking at that a little bit harder when it's a when it's that type of odds for the leader. Yeah, I mean and me and Baroff spoke about him last week a little bit like that he kind of stood out at this kind of same price last week. But you know, his his current form had been great. Like you're looking at people that could do a Jens Tansorp and you know, he was the guy, right? Like this is where you kind of I think we're seeing Sky like why you put so much stock in lower tours than, than maybe more so than, than others, right? You and Brad and, and myself now that we kind of look at these other kind of tours and, and seeing that kind of form is form, right? I mean, Gupta was playing well again for, for decent periods last week. Like, he, he hasn't been able to put four rounds together, but he's been showing some good stuff through, uh, I think he was playing with a 16-year-old on Sunday. That, that was a bit of a, a wild Sunday there. But, um, you know, it is... I think he's playing good enough golf to be there. And it all just depends how he takes the golf course, right? Like he was top 25 of his irons in round one last week, uh, struggled on day two of his irons and maybe the course just wasn't the best for him. This is a bit more, it's not traditional links. So it's, it's maybe not so far out there for him. And maybe the, the, the change back to a similar layout for him might uh, really prosper. Yeah. And, and, as much as we love the DP World Tour, we, we recognize the strength of field differences that, yeah. that are happening more and more. Um, I think that is one of the um, hindrances of, of what Liv is doing is it definitely, you know, just waters down playing fields everywhere, um, unfortunately. And, and then when that happens, the counteract to it is, you know, you, you – maybe aren't, aren't having that same level of difference that would step up from the challenge tour. Clearly it, it's not for the guys playing that well, all that different with, with guys that we're seeing come in and, and compete regularly. Um, so yeah, I, I just love the price guesses that you get to have uh, with those opportunities. I mean, there was, um, I mean, per- perfect example. It's I guess stretch, but like yesterday, I guess the Scottish open twice this year. Okay. What we saw, Ju Hyung Kim, who's now his PGA Tour card, finished third. And then on the ladies' side yesterday, Ayaka Fure won, won there. Japanese, you know, golf, I believe she was playing um, on the JLPGA for, for yeah. the years prior and, and competing well. You know, uh, another one of Brad's selections that week that was, um, I think, on like the Thailand Tour, finished top 10 and now earns into the Open Championship. Like, those are stronger fields, you know. So when we get, when it gets, translated to a field like this you know too bad there's not too many amateurs that i can keep firing at uh if i was on the show last week i probably would have talked quite a bit about a few of them that ended up playing but uh that's why you were that's why you weren't invited last week it's just we didn't have enough time yeah very smart (laughs) very very smart but um no i think that's yeah and that's the perfect uh 
um, example. I would say most people might be surprised that I'm not betting uh, Filippo Celli this week. You know, he's he's teeing it up, getting a chance after his uh, low amateur uh, winnings at the Open Championship. Would that be too on the nose? Like, you just literally, Guido's yeah. not here, so let's just find not Guido. Is that what you're worried going. about? Because you probably wanted to do it, right? Oh, 100% wanted to do it. Are you kidding me? I There's just, I guess, I, he doesn't have a same pedigree yet. Let's let, it, let's let it happen. I guess he won the amateur championship you know, just a couple weeks prior. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for Chelly uh, to tee it up. It wasn't, I guess you had somebody who caught your eye. Um, yeah. That's way down the board. Talk to us. Yeah. So, Jesper uh, Svensson for me was someone that I kind of like because we were just looking for those guys that are stepping up from the challenge tour. He kind of caught my eye last week and I never really trusted it and it wouldn't have paid out anything anyway. So, not that bothered by it. But like, Jesper Svensson showed decent enough stuff last week. He finished tied 19th in. Yeah, you know, okay, it's not the, the strongest of field, but when you look at the names around him, you've got Justin Walsh has been playing well, Vincent Brisson, Kawamura, Langask. Like, he's around those kind of guys. You have Kroosfit is right next to him on the leaderboard. Like, he's in good company and, you know, just, just you know, improved his position every time last week. He shot 70, 68, 68, 69, but every single time got better, climbed inside that top 20. And when you look at it, like, it shouldn't be a complete surprise. Like, he's had two top six in his last five or six starts on the Challenge Tour. Um, you know, he finished off the Challenge Tour decently last year as well. Um, you know, a couple of you know, like runner-up place finishes on the Challenge Tour and, and Nordic Golf League mainly, which is kind of your, um, you know, place to be, right, is the Nordic Golf League. So um, just liked what I saw from him. And I think this is a little bit of chasing the the Hunderbill Jorgensen, chasing the Jens Dantorp, chasing the Hurley Long thing. Like, are they just going to bring their Challenge Tour form up to the, the DP World Tour? And that's why it's not a, any sort of strong conviction. But, you know, for... DFS purposes for just a long shot, maybe top twenties. I did actually look like if if Jens Dantop's going to leave me alone, uh, let me down. Sorry, then I think the top uh, Swedish market was pretty good um, because there is a, a bunch of players that I don't have any faith in whatsoever uh, in the, in the Swedish market. I mean, Jens Dantop is twenty three to ten uh, to to win that kind of market. Then you have got Broberg, who is obviously decent. Robin Peterson, Dickens Limke, Farbring, Stuhead, Karlberg. Svensson, 11 to 1. Like, I thought that was pretty good. Um, that's a good, I like good value. That. So, yeah. that would, that if you can get that market, I'd probably play that. I think that's a good, you know, he could probably finish 30th and, and win that if Dan Top doesn't have a good week. So, um, obviously, Dan Top beat him last uh, last week, but he beat Henrik Stuerhead by one stroke last week, who I guess is one of the other people ahead of him in the betting. So, yeah, I think that's a, a decent price for a top Swede at least. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, I mean, very niche. His- his last two rounds were both top 12 in T to green too. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, finished really strong from, from that perspective. So it's definitely one of those, like, look, let me try and find the 301 short. He's 501 in some places because, you know, they seem to be popping up on the DP world tour, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like we've, we've done that with, with, you know, recent weeks with Gutzer and things like that. Like if they show, Flashes of life two or three rounds, and then that gets people through cut lines on on DraftKings, or I don't think they got DraftKings this week, but like, you know, just you know things like that. I just think it's a, a good thing to have. So yeah, Swenson for me garnered some interest. Um, and, and the I have a cross reference yet, but um, when I went off the top of the show, 
the PGA Tour schedule had just kind of came out too. Yeah. And and there's those gaps that that were there last year, and and that is when we're going to get some focus. I mean, I looked, and like I mentioned with Guido rant earlier, there is still a lot of events left in the DP World Tour schedule. Um, so hopefully we can get some focused weeks um, where it is that the DP World Tour by itself, um, I guess competing with, with football, but by itself in the golf world. Um, you know, for hopefully some contests and, and you know, Wentworth and, and some big weeks um, as, as we gear up towards the end of the year. That probably uh, puts a bow on anybody that I needed to talk about in this field. Anybody else you have before I recap? Uh, I think that's probably fine. I think, again, it would be the case of just naming names for the sake of naming names. Like, I think that was my one guy. I did look at the fact that I don't know if he's not been playing a lot recently or we just haven't seen him because uh, he's not been very good. But uh, Maverick Hancliffe was someone that we were – buzzing about for a long period of time is like 500 to one um yeah there's probably a reason why um so i haven't looked yeah like him colzart's back in the field for the first time in in quite some time elvis smiley is teaming it up you know um yeah i mean we could just probably it would literally just be naming names right look what i would say is that there always seems to be someone down here you mentioned daniel hillier earlier you know we've we've mentioned a couple of people like there always seems to be one at the moment that kind of does crack into that top five, top ten. Like we had Soren Kjeldsen last week have a, a really strong performance. If you think he could follow up, he's, he's another guy. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't really got anyone else to go too far into. Yep, cool. So let's run through. You can start. Yeah, so for me, um, I'm going to start my card um, with Eddie Pepperell at 33 to 1. Jens Dantorp at 40 to 1. Uh, Connor Seam at 50 to 1. And Chase Hanna at 80 to 1. And I do think... Whatever way you want to play Jesper Svensson, if you want to take him on top 20, top Swede, I mean, I think it's some 500 to one outrights. Like, it'd be a good fun bet to have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm on Hurley Long, 30 to one. Eddie Pepperell, 33. Matty Schmidt, 40. Um, if we went to, I guess, the next one, then we Paul Waring, 60. Um, if you want Oliver Hundable Jorgensen, I, I believe the best price might be 55s right now with 66s and longer this morning. Um, so in there, and then um, rounding it out with uh, Angel Hildago, um, and that's at 150 to 1. Um, so that puts a, a bow on it for the week for us. Great to have everybody back. Um, and like I said, with, with the schedule coming up, what we have, we stay in this kind of neck of the woods, right? We have the, the Honda. Let's see, coming up after that, was it the third Honda? And then I guess one of my favorite events is coming up pretty soon here um, with Cran Soussier. Um, at the Omega, but we'll get a good stretch. We're not far away from, from BMW PGA championship. So um, excited for, for the run here in the fall. Uh, we, we've got three get through them events at the moment. I think, you know, we've got the, I mean, Celtic man is pretty good. And then you've got the, yeah. the, 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 the ISPS hander and the Czech masters. And then you really get grand Sociere. Uh made in Himalayan's always good fun. Uh, the yeah. Danish event, then it's Wentworth. And then you get the Wentworth Italian open, Open to France and the Dunhill links like in a row. Yeah. That, that's really good. Then you get Valderrama a couple of weeks afterwards. Like this is if people aren't watching the DP World Tour in that stretch between September and October, they're never gonna watch it. So um, you know, it, that's the best time of golf. And I think that's the, the Ryder Cup venue, right, in for the Italian Open in September. Yes. So uh, one to keep an eye on. And let me look here. So that gap, so if we crossed it here, so they're playing so twelfth and eighteenth is the Fortnet on the PGA. Um, so that crosses with, okay, so the Italian Open. So, yep. yeah, we're going to get Alfred Dunhill by itself, uh, I'm rather sure. Yep, Alfred Dunhill should be the week after the President's Cup. 
by itself and then the entire month of October to the last week, basically. Um, oh, wait, no, just kidding. They, they do jam in the month of October. So, yeah, it looks like the, the BMW PGA Championship is the, the big one that we're going to get um, on an island and, and we can really pump it up for that week. Yeah, some good players. I think I think Rory's coming over for that. I think John Rahm might be coming back over. Billy Horschel will obviously probably come back. Yep. I seem to remember seeing Will Zalasaurus being mentioned for it, but maybe it's that just was. us manifesting. It, it could be. I think maybe yep. we did actually say that. That's probably all that was. Um, we shall see. Yep. Cool. Well, we'll go out on that note. Thank you all again for the support, and we'll catch you next week.